when I was playing with Eric, one of the things he told me was, <laughs> your tone sucks. I was like, <laughs> oh, damn. I mean, he wasn't nice about I mean, he shouldn't have been nice. I, I'm glad he wasn't nice because <laughs> I learned a lot from him. Man, I probably, my tone wasn't, it was very, um, I was using pedals, um, but uh, it was just very kind of saturated and over compressed. And he said, uh, yeah. if you want, because I was playing in his band at the time, I went home and cried in case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> 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 for like three days straight, I was like, yeah. Things are bad. <laughs> Very humbling experience, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you what, we've all had things like that, though. Yeah. Yeah, in the long yeah, run, yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, it yeah. was life changing. I'm Absolutely. so glad he did that. I thank him to this yeah, day. Yeah. Both of those guys, I, I, I wouldn't now, I don't use pedal. The breakup I have is from the amp um, completely. I use, mm. you know, I have an ABY uh, AB switch. I use distortion entirely from the amp, and then I'll have like a wah and a chorus pedal, and that's it. An 80s chorus pedal, that's it. That's all I use. Um, <laughs> thanks to those guys. They just said I had this huge pedal board with like 12 things on it. I called Big Mama. It weighed half as much as me. And um, <laughs> they said, you got to get rid of Big Mama. I'm like, but Big Mama, like she's, the, you know. Oh, and that's my mama. That's, that's Big Mama. Like you can't. Anyway, thank, thankfully to them, um, I changed. So anyway, I, I found this amp. And it's this incredible, it has, it's basically a super reverb combined with a dumbbell. It's his own um it's his own creation, um, his own circuit board. Okay. And um, he makes the most incredible amps, and they're loud. That's the only thing. They're, they're really freaking loud. But um, Der- Derek Trucks uses the half AZZ. It's a 50-watt. Uh, there's a- there's also the full AZ- AZZ, the 100-watt. Um, but it's two channels, and the right one is the one with um, reverb, uh, similar to Super Reverb. And the left one I use is the dirty channel, dry, okay. gainy. So I'll keep it at like an 8. It's really freaking loud. Um, and then the other channel will be a nine, and I stack them together. And then when I do that, it just creates a super, like, Jeff Becky kind of super drivey. You heard it. Yeah, um, I have. And Amazing. Also, thank you. It also has a vibrato on it as well. And it's just so nice because if you just, you know, roll off on the volume on your guitar, it just it cleans up beautifully. Mm. I love the I love the amp so much. Um, I know I, I bought it, I bought it used, but th- they are expensive, but they're so worth it. And yeah. I used to do similarly to Eric Johnson, I used to switch between two amps, but actually switching between the two channels has been the equivalent of it without having to drag in, you know, two heavy yeah, yeah, amps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a head in the cabinet. Um, for this particular tour, I'm using a 212, uh, 1973, uh, Marshall cabinet, but at home I have a 1968, um, Marshall full stack because <laughs> you know nothing subtle around here so <laughs> no, absolutely your stage volume is quite high yeah usually when I do a sound check people if they were standing in front of me they are now standing to the side <laughs> <laughs> you give it to them girl wow fantastic yeah, what you're hearing yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all your deaf. plugs your plugs yeah. are important do you wear plugs I, I do I wear one yeah. in the side where my amps are they're usually to my right so I use one here you don't use in ear for your vocal monitoring or anything, do you? Or? You know, I'm really struggling with them. And, and Vince, speaking of Vince Gill uh, earlier, um, we've had this conversation about in ears, and there's a separation. If I weren't singing, I think it would be okay. Mm. Or maybe if I were just singing and not playing. But there's a separation that happens. I find right. You're kind of in your own world. Yeah, all yeah, you, yeah, you're hearing, yeah. You can't yeah. really. I don't know what happens. It's maybe it's just an emotional thing. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, you, so, you, you can't always get the subtleties. Yeah. There's something to it. Anyway. There's something to it. Like if you put headphones on, you're on an airplane or something, it, it kind of puts you in your own world. Yeah, yeah. Um, it feels that way. And so much of what I do is is really 
connecting with the audience and doing that. So I figure if I just have the one ear and I'm far enough away from the drummer, I'm okay. I don't have any hearing loss yet. So you hear that song? Far enough away from the drummer. My ears ring all the time. Yeah, well, it's different for you. But there you go. Yeah. Part of the to me, it just goes with the territory. I mean, if you you want to feel it, sometimes you want to get into it. I know it's not good, but. People go deaf. Oh, I know. It just work in factories or whatever, you know. It just yeah. happens. Yeah, it happens right. with age. So, yeah, you does, know, exactly. if you're speeding it up a little bit and you're yeah. feeling good about your performance, it's better than feeling completely separated from yeah, who you're playing you just, with. Yeah, you know? yeah. The emotional thing isn't there sometimes if you're isolated. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Not to mention you really, especially for me when I'm saying, I can't turn it down. If somebody's blaring my ear, it's actually more dangerous in ways if you have the wrong sound engineer working on your in-ear yeah, monitors yeah, yeah. and they're blasting something. I yeah. don't have the opportunity to turn it down. I got to yeah. deal with it until maybe I can hold, uh, you know, a, a whole note and, and turn it down because I'm playing and singing. Yeah. So it's I'm stuck with whatever's there. So I find the monitors a little bit easier, despite the fact that I'm both the lead guitar player and the lead singer. So mm. <laughs> I, I won't turn down for myself. I will actually. Actually, you know, it's it's a complicated relationship I have with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about that, how, the, how is the tour going? Going well, you said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's been really good. Um, yeah. I've been touring with One Rivers Meet, and we actually became friends because we have the same publicist. And he's he uh, his name's Peter Noble, and he specializes like in all the kind of guitar based um, rock blue stuff. And they came to a show I was opening for Beth Hart a few years back. Oh yeah, right after COVID. And they actually came to show and they were so sweet and, and we became friends and they texted me last year, probably September and like, Hey, do you want to open the show? Maybe we could do a trade. Maybe, you know, if, when we want to play in the U S we could play with you. And I was like, that sounds like a, like a brilliant thing. It's, it's unfortunate how uncommon it is to have a community based musical world. You know, I, I always find particularly in Nashville, I don't mean to knock Nashville. There's a certain degree of, camaraderie but there's there's also a lot of competition it's very competitive it makes me sad because there's a lot of room you know success there's there's plenty of room for people to i enjoy hundreds of bands why not you know there's plenty Mm. of room for everyone to be doing well and be successful Mm. so they are uh the epitome of that and we kind of have this thing i was like yeah you know you should talk to my booking agent see if i can kind of um reverse the roles in the u.s i have uh, like an rv i've converted into um a tour bus. I was like, Hey, if we do it, you guys, you know, it's a lot bigger, so it's going to be, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing how we can work together and we're really, we combined our audiences to be able to play bigger venues. So it's yeah, yeah. A li- I say it's opening act, but really it was kind of a co a co-bill collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they gave, they gave me a 45 minute set yeah. and they're just, it's been great people and the shows have been packed yep. and people have been really enjoying it. I think the, the combination of both of us together has been really good. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, it's when rivers meet meets aerial. That's how it's built, isn't oh. it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it's, how the tours build, isn't it? Yeah, we we found a co co bill. We can play bigger shows together that way and uh, mutually beneficial for a few different reasons. Yeah, of course. And you've got like a couple of weeks left for that tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah it ends at the end of um, the end of May. What happens after that? So I've got this. Uh, I've got this really cool gig that just came up. Uh, they haven't announced. My name, I think they're about to do another announcement with it, but they just announced last week the James Burton benefit show. Oh, yes. I heard about this. Cool. Yeah. Now, <laughs> 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 that is a wow, double wow. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's his, apparently, it's his last show in the UK and a 
a lot of people in the UK were inspired by James Burton and Elvis and Emmylou and uh, Ricky Nelson and all the stuff that he's done. A massive career, of course. And they have all sorts of amazing people. They've been billing it with, I think, Albert Lee, Van Morrison, um, Sir Brian May. Sir Brian May. I got to get used to the addition of the Sir. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so uh, Sir Brian May asked if I would play the the gig. I don't know what we're playing yet, but it's going to be great. So that's that's sure in it will June be. And where, where is that going to be? At, uh, that's at the London Palladium. At the London Palladium. I'm, I'm wow. totally freaked. I'm like, wow. oh my gosh. Like, Fantastic. Oh. Yeah, it's crazy. So oh. it's a great. I've never played there, but apparently it's a great sounding venue. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I've never played there, but I've seen a few shows there. It sounds great. Oh, there's been some legends on that show, on that stage, isn't it? Over yeah. the years. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow, that's that's brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, so, yeah. Also, we were um, obviously I was, we were doing a little bit of research, and I know you have a look. You're into activism with the animals. Did oh wanna, yeah, you guys you really want, did you wanna, do your research. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Or? Sure. Yeah. I've always, you know, with the music, I was just I was just having a conversation about this earlier. That what if it were all about me being driven by success that would not be enough for me Mm. i'm naturally super introverted and awkward Mm -hmm. and i show up i mean thankfully we all have something in common otherwise we probably wouldn't met because i'm hiding at home like with my dog or something awkward but um that's how i meet cool people like you guys and friends that is uh music (laughs) 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 but um but uh the thing that really inspires me are things beyond myself outside of obviously the love of playing and writing music i just like that um i can hopefully benefit something beyond me and like my own especially because it's my name it's just terrible like you just thankfully there's not like a lot of ego there but it's just nice to not think about it all about like me it's really weird uh so in the past i've been a part of a bunch of different things from uh, very, very big in activism with dolphins and whales. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot. I've done a lot of stuff. I don't know if you guys have seen the Cove, the movie The Cove, where I don't know. Uh, no, I can't it's about that. dolphin and whale captivity. If you've seen the movie Blackfish, um, talking about dolphin whale captivity, hunting mm. dolphins for food and like high levels of mercury and their intelligence. Oh, why? Yeah. And I also actually started my own not not for profit. Soon to be, we're working on it being a charity. I actually have it registered here in the UK called the Tonewood Forest. Okay. And the reason I put it together was because I'm always thinking about the impact that I have on the environment. Yeah. One of my favorite things in the whole world is going on hikes with my little my little border collie. She's crazy. And uh, we have a great time. And and I we had the guitar come out with uh, Brian May, the Brian May uh, aerial guitar. Mm. And I started doing some research on the woods that I use just out of curiosity. I'm like... I, I just didn't even think about it. You no. know, when you have these beautiful guitars or, or basses or even drums, you know, the wood that's that's yeah, yeah. really the, the crucial tone of yeah. what, we're, Absolutely. what we're using. And out of curiosity, I started doing some research on the trees. You know, it's it's somehow there's a degree of separation because it's this beautiful presentation of a of a, an instrument, and then it's like, oh, this was a tree at one point. Mm-hmm. I started doing research and I realized that the wood I use and most of the tone woods are the woods that are chopped down for their sonic or their auditory um, benefits are usually between the ages of 100 and 150 years old by the time they're chopped down. I didn't know that. And I had a guitar coming out and that freaked me out. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the reason 
Troops are getting chopped out. Like, this is just wrong. Like it just. Well, you know, you're I, not the only reason. Well, of course, but it had my name on it. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So of course, I felt like I was adding to the. Problem. Well, Brian's a big activist, isn't he? Brian May, so, Sir Brian May, sorry, Sir Sir, sir, sir Brian May, yeah. Sir Brian May. Yeah, he um he actually you know. he's a major activist. He has a nonprofit called or a charity called Save Me, which is for the uh, local animals, the native animals, hedgehogs, yeah. um, badgers, fox, badgers, badgers, and foxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He has a, a rescue on his property, but he also has three different forests in the UK, which a lot of people don't know. He has Maze Wood, um, but in in the south, just a little bit outside of Southampton, and he has other ones as well he's got three different forests where he's just been replanting okay. 100 i mean 100 acres plus wow. it's fascinating what he's done he's he's constantly thinking about this it's very inspiring and so what i did was i created a not not for profit called the tonewood forest and what what we do and it's still relatively small it's only been a, a couple of years now that we that we started this out of my own guilt I'll, admittedly um where we plant i buy plots of land in different parts of the world and plant native tonewood trees in that area so we have a plot in florida where we plant cuban mahogany trees where which is their native environment it has to be native because the moment you take a tree and you you put it in a non-native environment it actually really affects the other uh, indigenous animals oh, right. and, okay. yeah, yeah. and things yeah. so uh we have i've i um, collaborated with a hardwood company in philadelphia called hearn hardwoods and they also do this too. We have Cocobolo Rosewood in Belize and also uh, Nicaragua. Mm. We have Koa in Hawaii. Mm. And I just bought a 20-acre property with Tonal Forest. And we are going to be having very uh, – because Gibson, of course, is in uh, Nash- the Nashville area or the Tennessee area. We have uh, a lot of maple, alder, um, ash, birch, and um, tonewood, tonewoods there as well. And we are looking into doing some more – uh, African countries as well, but we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm always trying to do something to give back because it just feels like the whole, just the whole idea of taking, taking, taking I is just it. not. There's got to be a cyclical. Absolutely, thing. we've been doing it for many years, haven't we? And well, eventually, yeah. everything will run out, wasn't it? Yeah. We have to be very, very careful. Yeah. Well, I that's just that, it. You and I think what you've done is very admirable. Thank in, you. In, incredibly admirable, actually, isn't it? To to put back like that. There's not. A, Many musicians of of uh, your age of you, you know, uh, I think that's fantastic. Thank really, you. Really good. He's got to start. I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. Well, I didn't we, know we about never trees. Know what we're doing, but I went anyway, to- <laughs> it doesn't I stop us. What are we doing? What are we doing tonight? <laughs> what are we doing anyway? What are we doing? Where, now? where am I? <laughs> now, Errol, um, we have a mutual friend. Uh, we do. We have a mutual friend mm-hmm. um, and a previous guest of ours. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That was a great uh, episode, by the way. Oh, uh, it, yeah. 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 That was brilliant. So, um, yeah, Mr. Andrew Guyton. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's building you, or he has built you. Yeah. Um, a kind, not two tone, um, but a guitar to. Uh, suit your needs in the style of two-tone mm-hmm. um, how is that coming on because you played it the other night in Norwich and I thought it sounded mega oh so glad you think that it was brand new I believe well that was the second show I had done with it but the first one we were still working out a couple a uh, couple issues that we had with it so that's actually the second one he's oh, built for right, me. Okay. Uh, we had met through, I mean, just having so many mutual friends in the Brian May camp. And I've heard about him for probably since before I had two-tone. You know, yeah, he's, he's yeah. the guy, like he, one of the only... He certainly is. I mean, legendary. And 
we had, man, I, I, I don't know if it was uh, gu- uh, Brian's guitar tech, Pete Malandrone, or what it was, but his name just kept coming up. And the Red Special group, they have this massive community of these mostly men who, <laughs> <laughs> who replicate like the Red yeah, Special. Yeah. And of course, you know, uh, Andrew Guyton has been such a massive part of that. And um, we connected over Instagram kind of funny but um and he said hey let's just meet and talk about guitars and this was right after the brian may guitar came out okay Ariel, and he wanted to actually connect with me because we were having conversations about the brian may guitar that came out which was kind of a funny story the, the way that came about this this will lead to the uh, andy guyton thing in just a second but i kept getting asked by people when i was touring hey how do i get one of your guitars and, ah. like, and i had probably five or six variations of my guitar that I was yeah, yeah. playing out at the time. And I was like, huh, I didn't even think anyone would want my dinky old guitar. You know, it's got problems. <laughs> and Why would you want this weird looking thing, you know? And people just kept asking for it. And so I was like, all right, well, it seems selfish that I'm the only person in the whole world that has one. That seems wrong. So um, Brian and I, again, we've been friends for a long time. We had some lunch and I was touring in the UK. And he's like, so what's been going on? I was like, you know... Brian, I've been working with this uh, luthier, and I, I think I want to offer my guitar to people. And he said, well, uh, he was trying to find out more information, and he eventually just said, hey, why doesn't Brian make guitars do it? And I was dying. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like wow. flipping out. But, of course, I was pretending I was totally like, Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, oh, let me think about that yeah, for a minute. Yeah, that uh, was for one second. I was like, oh, um, <laughs> playing it all cool, but I was yeah, flipping yeah. Cool. out. So yeah. it, was, it was his his idea, but what that guitar was really is uniquely it's a it's kind of a hybrid of his guitar and my guitar. Okay. So it's got a twenty four inch scale length, very small. Mm. Uh, my guitar is an inch and a half bigger at a twenty five and a half kind of Fender style scale length. A lot of variations. Um, again, we've had many debates uh, in a round table of what <laughs> they like and don't like about my guitar, which, as you can imagine, was also very humbling. Mm. And. Um, so it was a collaboration between Brian and his team and I of that. And uh, I had done a I had done a podcast and Andy had heard it and said, hey, you know, it's really a different guitar than the guitar you play. And I said, you're absolutely right. It's not a replica. It's its own thing of Brian's guitar, my guitar combined. And he said, well, eventually it was his idea. We, we talked about it. I brought two tone and he kind of geeked out and took a little, little bit apart, maybe just looked under That's the Andy. hood. <laughs> he, you know, we took it apart and I was like... Yeah, did he x-ray yeah. it? <laughs> he didn't x-ray it, but, you know, he did open up yeah. a couple things, yeah. which, of course, at the time was horrifying for me because my guitar does have two holes for a reason. Some guy, um, I don't know, did the wrong thing and kind of messed up my guitar, and ever since I've been, like, super protective of it. Um, but I was like, well, he took apart the Red Special. Like, this is probably the guy, right? Anyway, he um, he came with the up with the idea that, he would make me a replica. Okay. So there is a replica that looks just like two-tone short of the uh, two holes at the top that I have. Um, I'm picking it up tomorrow. I was with a friend, so you didn't see it on the road. Um, but uh. he, he made my first original replica that was based off of two-tone itself. Right. Like I, I Like I said before, I have so many variations of it from changing the scale length um, different types of necks, different pickups, um, different woods and different frets, everything I've tried to change of things I thought I didn't like about two-tone, which ended up just being kind of uh, amateur. Mm. Uh, it, we are actually, speaking of amateur, <laughs> we are refinishing the neck right now, which is horrifying. We stripped the neck and we didn't finish I believe finish there it, was right. tears. There, I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally, he was laughing. He's oh. like, he's like, girl pair. Like, <laughs> 
Yeah, I heard there was tears. He was, uh, (laughs) fair enough, you know, it was ridiculous. I was laughing that I was crying. It was one of those situations. I didn't even know why I was crying. It was just such an emotional thing. I was telling Andy that Two-Tone is actually my oldest friend. I've uh, I've I've known Two-Tone longer than any friend that I have currently, Mm -hmm. other than Brian. Brian's right around the same uh, time period. But anyway, so he built the first replica. He actually had Two-Tone for about probably a week, a week Mm -hmm. and a half, which... He kept in his bedroom. He told me he kept in his closet in his bedroom. He took it apart. He sent me the photos, which I was horrified of, like it in pieces. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> especially working with Eric Johnson as much as I did. He's he is so intricate to the point of he has these little little pieces of cardboard that he puts the individual screws in. You take the back plate off of a guitar, or you take the scratch plate off. He he has it marked exactly where each screw is, and if you Good change Lord. it. If you change it, he changes wow. the tone. That's his belief. His belief. Wow. And of yeah. course, I, I, I picked up on that because I worked, I worked with him for, for almost four years. And so I was horrified that he was doing that. Wow. And certainly not, not paying attention to which screws went in each hole. Maybe he did. I don't know. I didn't ask him. But it was just, I had to let go of my OCD. <laughs> <laughs> and he, um, he made this great replica. And I was like, huh. You know, because I have, uh, um, if when you guys saw the show or whoever, whoever saw the show, I can't remember. It was just, I don't know, it was so overwhelming. But um, I um, I changed guitars a lot because of tuning. And one of the things that I do is because uh, I have a female, my voice isn't, I want to play an E, but a lot of times my voice isn't um, as friendly mm-hmm. to that, um, more maybe like a man. So um, we had another one that we made and it was a tobacco burst. Uh, version which I had already experimented with, but it was a 24 inch scale length. And so Andy recently, just before the tour, apparently he made it in two weeks. That's what he told me. Wow! Can you believe that? He, he took three me. years to make my base. I know. Yeah. He said, you know, <laughs> I mean, when it was fast, I was like, holy, <laughs> holy smokes! Wow! And um, I picked it up, and we had a couple things. It's it's tuned to F sharp standard, so it's tuned to full step up, which is horrifying, by the way, um, when you tune it because you're like, and hope it doesn't sap <laughs> okay. on your face or whatever your hand. Um, so I have an F sharp standard cause a lot of times I'll put the capo on the second fret yep. and sing and just play like it's an E cause you know, whatever cool riffs that I have, I have a few songs like that on the album. And, uh, so he made me an F sharp standard guitar and it was the one you guys saw Yeah, yeah. and it had just been done. I'd only played one gig before and the string broke and oh, trashed gee. the entire tuning of course, cause I've got a, uh, you, you can't see it, but if it's if it's um, horizontal like this, it's about it's tilted like this. Ah, uh, a lot of pressure. It, it's a lot of pressure on the bridge, yeah, and yeah. It's, it, you can pull it up a major third, mm. um, and and down pretty far. Yeah. But the moment you break a string, you're done. You're done. And we, yeah. Oh. And uh, it happened. So we actually put a reverse string tree on it to take some of the tension off the high E because it kept, it snapped during a show, which was pretty embarrassing. Um, so, uh, we fixed that and now it's killer. And, um, he's just, it's been so nice because I have this pressure. I'm not comparing myself to Brian May, but at all, but, but it, it's hard when you have the one guitar and I, I have this, it's not really a joke. It's actually kind of a a dark truth that if I didn't have two tone, I probably wouldn't play guitar because I don't love the guitar. I love my guitar. Uh, I learned how to, I've been playing it longer than I've played any other guitar. Mm. I'd only been playing six years um, by the time I had two-tone and, you know, now it's 23 years right. I've been playing. Yeah. So it's been a long time I've had with my guitar and people in the past have offered me to 
you know, buy it or I've had it be lost in, um, you know, airplane check baggage checking. Oh, gee. I've just had more stories and I, I've made this joke. It's not a joke. It's the truth that if I lost it, I probably, re- I just retire from playing guitar because I feel emotionally attached to it. And I've, I've bought guitars, only two guitars in the past 15 years. And I've sold them both because I just like the story. And when I change tunings, I've, I've had variations of the guitar and it's never felt right. It's a very conscious decision of, okay, now I have to switch and, and I have to change the way I play. But actually Andy's guitar, I picked it up and it's the first time I've ever felt like I had a replica that could make me feel without thinking about it, that I was playing my guitar, but actually a nicer version, which is why we're stripping the neck well, right now. Well, uh, that's a great thing, and I'll tell you why that's a great thing. That means, God forsake, that anything happened to two-tone, you'll carry on playing and performing. That's exactly what it means. It's a horrifying thought to think anything would happen to two-tone. Despite the fact that Andy and I actually had this conversation, it's super dark, but, like, you know, what would happen if, like... <laughs> It's this weird conversation, like, what happens when you die? I know it's, like, not a good thought, but, like, you guys are British. You have dark humor anyway. Um, <laughs> what happens when you die? We're, we're like, closer where's... than you. Yes. Yeah, yes. Well, you know, it's still a thought for me, probably because most of my friends are, like, 65 plus. Like, I also just, like, I'm a grandma at heart. So, um, you know, what happens when your guitar is gone? But, yeah, if, if two-tone were for some reason, it's a lot of pressure. You know, it's a lot of pressure on one little guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and... um the fact that I can't always buy my own plane ticket for the guitar because I don't, you know, and they make me check it and I cry the whole time. And it's a lot of pressure. What would happen if it were gone? And I, I really do feel just like what you said, that if something were to happen, I would keep playing and feel like he got he's gotten the spirit. The spirit is there. He's really yeah. the first one was pretty close, but he nailed the second one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. um. Great guy. He's amazing. He's amazing. Andy. It's he amazing. He's amazing, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. I would not have. I mean, we. He was. I don't know. With with our razor blade, he was scratching the paint off a of two tone today. I mean, today. <laughs> I was like, oh no! I mean, uh, years. I was like, oh. I, it was horrifying. I was crying in the corner. He's the only guy, and so now we're actually catching up to what he did with the most modern one, which I've lovely, lovingly named Sabin. Sabin. Um, the brown, the tobacco burst one. So we're trying to catch up with, with the ease. It's just not, the two-tone's kind of sticky. We didn't really know what we're doing. So I don't sweat, but if you have any sort of heat on your hand, it sticks. And um, yeah. we're making well, it well, better. you would do under show conditions, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, you'd be about yeah. Just a little nerves, you know, yeah, yeah. and it, and it yeah. sticks because we used what we think. I don't remember because, again, Patrick's MIA um, was oil-based paint. So Andy's doing it kind of a nice natural uh, finish the way the other ones are. So hopefully, you know, my guitar can catch up with his. But uh, yeah. it's been amazing because, oh, <laughs> he actually, what's so cool is he's actually kind of deconstructed the guitar because so much of it I don't remember. Or I wasn't there. There were certain time periods I wasn't there. So he actually took, if you look at a photo of my guitar, you'll see there's a triangle there, which Brian made in like FYI. That's why it's not on the BMG. He's like, what's that? I was like, oh, it's just a pick guard. And he's like, why is it a triangle? I'm like, it's just a visual thing. You know, when I was drawing out the real life diagram of the guitar, it was just, I thought I kind of pieced together this little empty spot at the tail end of the guitar he's like well that's useless we'll just not have it and then later on he's like where's my triangle this is kind of funny but <laughs> <laughs> i was like hey you told me to like the triangle yeah. how you want the triangle yeah. 
But um, Andy actually lifted up the triangle off a two-tone, which I hadn't done in 15 years. And we found there was a hole underneath it, which is, by the way, horrifying and upsetting um, that the guy who put the initial holes in had also put a little battery, a nine-volt battery slot about uh, a couple inches, two and a half inches underneath the triangle. Right. The triangle was there before the hole. Right. But the hole is now being covered by the triangle. Right. And he's discovered so many things from... I have a um, a dummy coil that gets rid of some of the 60-cycle hum of a, si- a single coil. Okay. And uh, we found that the output of the pickups has been um, – there's there's more output because of that. And he's deconstructed so much of my guitar that I didn't even know. And, again, I've spent 15 years on it. Yeah, yeah. And um, working with him has been really eye-opening. And um, – I've learned so much from oh, getting yeah. to work with His him. Attention to detail is amazing. He's, he's, it's crazy. He's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm atten- attentive to detail, and he he kicks my butt so <laughs> <laughs> by a long shot. Right. Okay. Well, I was just interested to know what it's like to be in the rock business, in the music business, and how maybe it's different to what us males go through or whatever. Be interesting to have your take on that. I'm going like full blown authenticity vibe here. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's it's a double edged sword. I've been doing it long enough to where I've noticed some change, and I think that some people would like to imagine it's different due to a lot of kind of an uprising of of female musicians on Instagram and all that. But for for those of us who have been out there schlepping the touring scene for maybe a decade plus we it's very challenging i deal with a lot of awkward situations on a daily basis the uh infamous mansplaining if i show up with an amp people think i don't know what i'm talking about and you know what what my little dinky guitar that nobody recognizes is or those kinds of things it's that's ignorance it's (laughs) there's a lot of that there's there's a lot of that Mm. and at the same time well a lot of you know weird sexual harassment stuff and then at the same time i i haven't really noticed much of a much of um I guess a benefit to being female, but I think what's starting to happen is it's starting to level the playing field of where it's not just, Oh, she's a good female guitar player or you're pretty good for a girl or those kinds of things. I have a people really say that Ariel. less now, but they used to say it all the time. I've had people, people actually the biggest quote unquote compliment that I get is you play like a dude. And I think what they mean is the way I see it, and when I would I try to kind of translate from that is, as a female, I'm generalizing here, but the way I grew up is, as a woman, you don't take up much space. A lot of kind of making sure everybody else is happy and not making a lot of um, attention. My mom was always like, "Don't burn bridges, don't do this," and good intentions there. But I grew up not wanting to take up much space. So when you stand there and you play kind of really loud electric guitar and you're kind of owning it in a lot of ways it's very it's a masculine energy Mm. to to show up and be that dominating is kind of a a masculine masculine energy and i find that women particularly generalizing i am not saying this is how it should be but the way that i've seen it is women who play guitar and women who play drums are required to bring a lot of um energy and if we don't it's like oh you're pretty good for a girl um, I don't know if you know what I mean. I've got a killer uh, woman 
drummer with me. Her name's Emma Taylor. She's amazing. And she plays harder when I physically, but also with the more energy than a lot of most men I've well, ever played with. Why wouldn't she? Exactly. She's yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, in many ways, we have yeah. more to, I'm not going to say prove, but, but it's like we have this whole thing. You're good for a girl. So in many ways, we have to be better. Yeah. Um, and that is still very much a real thing. And you like a female in your band, don't you? Another, oh, yes. another female. Yes, I like to have at least one. Yeah. Uh, I just think the dynamic is better. Mm. Uh, although I will hire whoever is best. I don't ever say, hey, I need a woman for this. It's not. No, no. Uh, obviously, never... the music has to be yeah. paramount, doesn't it? The performance. and I Exactly. Get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, God, and uh, I found her through a fan. Uh, I was I was trying to figure out who I was going to hire for drums. And a fan reached out and said, you should hire her. I'm like, she's killer. You know, you know, you know being a drummer, how hard it is to find. The thing I always say to drummers is. Can you play like you're like, I always say it's less about the whole song being part A groove, part B groove. It's one solid groove versus a Stuart Copeland or or um, um, an energy that you're you're playing for the song versus the sections of the song in a full groove. It's one of the things that I think stylistically, one of the things I got wrong on my latest album was that I had an incredible drummer on there, but he was just so tight. That you know, it, I, I was going to mention that because it sounds like he's been Pro Tools. It's so perfect. Yes, and he drumming, wasn't. And it's like, wow, that sounded like it was programmed. That's exactly it. And it's one yeah. of the things I, I wish. He's an incredible drummer, and he was on my last album, but he had progressed into a certain style that I think didn't fit um, my most recent album. And it's one of the things that I would change is, he was so tight and perfect that it yeah, sounded it's like incredible, perfect. He, yeah, like and a machine. He, yeah, I know. His, his um, name is Michael uh, Davila, and he is out of Austin, and he's playing with um, you know David Grissom, and I think he played with uh, uh, anybody who rolls through Austin. He's he's with him, but yeah. um, a younger guy, um, probably late twenties, early thirties. He's amazing, oh, but a little amazing. bit stiff stylistically for what I was looking for. But it was at that point, it was too late. You know, we recorded it live. Kind of hard to fix that after the fact but what i was looking for in a drummer this time around was somebody who i'm like it's hard to explain this but we're in the studio we're performing live i'm like can you play like you're you're at the at the level of your your drumming that you're just at the precipice of your abilities and you you need to go a little bit further and about to fall off your drum kit like keith moon and just like you're, it's all just about to go to crap can you do that and most drummers can't let loose enough to have an element of wild you can um, i'm sure i'm sure you can but i i've had well, such a hard time what i've found is it's where the backbeat goes though yeah if, if they can pull that backbeat just back a just a yeah. microsecond that gives you that 70s 60s for sure feel. and the way they mic it too now we're yeah. doing the whole uh, three mic. Are they, still, are they, are they doing three that Three mic, I am. Most yeah, people yeah. are not, but yeah, I yeah. am versus, you know, mic 11 mics on, yeah. then two room mics for the drums. Yeah. Kind of more hi-fi sound now. We're going for a little bit more natural. I didn't for 73. I think it suits your style. Thank you. Yeah. But I'm always I'm always looking for that, and, yeah. and I think my drummer Emma is really doing that now. And it's, it's a constant progression of, can you sound like you don't know what you're doing and let loose? And... um. I think in some ways, at least with the the women that I've played with, I've had women bass players, women drummers, women keyboard players, they're hungrier 
in a way because we have more to prove because oftentimes yeah. we have a lot of men who just by looking at us assume we don't know what the heck we're talking about. Mm. And I, when I was younger, I used to say, yeah, screw you. And you know, and then like tell them off. But now I'm just, I just smile and I'm like, aha. Uh -huh. And, um, unless they're being really rude, in which case usually someone else tells them off. Cause I just don't like dealing with it. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to find the right players, mm -hmm. but, and it's hard to be a woman in the world that I'm in. Um, because still, although there are a lot online, the ones that are touring still have to deal with some of the folk that think women, for whatever reason, don't know what we're talking about, mm. which is crazy because. Well, you clearly do. So, <laughs> and there's so many talented women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Putting everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Why would we think like that? I, I find that a little bit disheartening. <laughs> I find that a bit disheartening, you know. I find that quite, you know, that there's still that attitude. I, I just, oh, I don't, I don't know. It's shocking. It, it, it is. It's a shame. It's, yeah. a, it's a real shame. Yeah, it really is. But on a, to a positive note, <laughs> and um, <laughs> what, what's, what's, what does the future hold for you, Ariel? The future? Well, it's something I, I've... Well, I, I battled with a lot during the whole, like, crazy, insane COVID situation mm. when most of us, I'm yeah, sure, weren't touring yeah, anymore. Yeah. It was a lot of self-reflection. What the heck am I doing with my life? And I struggled a lot with just wanting to quit. Um, I felt like all the work I had done, I, I was thinking about that today. I I was headlining my own tours and things before COVID, and then I felt like I lost so much momentum. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? I just feel like like I'm not moving forward. And then I thought about it. I was like, I, I was kind of looking for this like universal sign of like that, that what I'm doing actually has value to other people mm. because I don't feel inclined to tour unless people like it. I'm so happy to just be in the studio and record, I don't know, two or three albums a year and be okay with that. I, I'm fine with that. I love being in the studio. But this most recent tour has inspired me a lot to that, that the people's responses to what I've been doing, just simplifying my guitar rig, um, even just as a trio and, and, and really enjoying the shows. I think the future holds um, a lot more new music. I'm wanting to do two or three albums a year versus one. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I can pull that off with... with uh, That's a big commitment. It, it is. <laughs> and uh, and I love it. Yeah. Um, hopefully with, you know, a little bit extra funding from this record label to at least front the cost because that's kind of the most of difficult part, yeah, as you yeah, guys yeah. know. I mean, course, I, think, I think my most recent album... With some issues, cost around thirty-five k dollars. Potentially more. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, and um, you know, you just you don't really know if it's going to be. And there were a few reasons why it, it costed as much as it did. Part of it was because there was like that whole second wave of COVID, and we had to move dates back, flying, um, oh, shipping no. gear. Um, yeah. It got remixed twice. You know, oh, things yeah. um, manufacturing beyond of, your control, basically. Yeah. Things way beyond my control. And so, with that commitment, it was, "What the heck am I doing? Is this the right thing?" So, um, one of the things I'd like to do is a lot more touring. Yep. Um, with a lot more help. I've noticed that um, I had this idea that I could do everything myself, which is really um, a crazy thought. And um, so we're looking at doing a headlining tour in the UK um, in the fall after this Wind Rivers meet. Okay. A few dates in at the end of June. We're looking at October dates right now. And really what I'd like to do for the next five years is 
is to, I'd like to be like the way that I see it, like a Vince Gill, like an Eric Clapton, a Bonnie Raitt. I want to be a songwriter that happens to play guitar. And not only that, but I'm hoping that I can continue with, um, um, I guess the, the respect that I have of, um, of my heroes like Brian May and, 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 and kind of pass on or carry the torch of those folks who, I mean, sadly probably won't be around for maybe a decade longer. You know, they're kind of, kind of all going. It's really sad, actually. It's, and, and hold on to the, um, limitations mm. that uh the digital world um kind of made a little bit more challenging to hone into and and record a lot more music i'd love to tour i'd love to have more trees that we plant lots of albums um and uh and work from there and and that's kind of that's been my goal mm. and um i thankfully have people that are helping me with the business part because you know, it's hard to do everything. You can't do everything. It's just... You can't do everything. <laughs> and and connect with, you know, cool people like you guys, because, as you know, there are a lot of not cool people in this business, and it's rather lonely. I find, um, I find I'm alone a lot. This isn't supposed to be depressing, sorry. But it's just true, and it's just nice. It feels really worthwhile to, to connect with people like you guys and, and collaborate with people, because that's what I'm all about. I've done so many albums where I just played everything, or I did everything on my own, or kind of piecemealed it together. And it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I like I like recording live and and songwriting um, and collaborating with people is because it it makes me feel connected to something bigger than myself and connected to people on a personal level. Even mm-hmm. though we're we're kind of creating for um, maybe. A, more of a greater good pe- releasing things on albums yeah 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 um, i'm excited for that i'd love to do more orchestration stuff i had a couple gigs with full orchestra it was really fun oh cool uh, maybe soundtrack um you know publishing kind of stuff in that world and um i don't know try to develop a personal life you know it's not <laughs> <laughs> well that that is hard <laughs> isn't it when you're touring and yeah, i think uh, you're too busy for that <laughs> i know everybody's like how are you uh, oh i'm so stressed it's like you're always stressed i was like my friend told me that this morning i was like yeah fair enough so hopefully at some point you know i'll be busy but find the magical mm. uh, esoteric balance of like yeah, personal yeah. life versus business life yeah 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 i don't know i'm still figuring out <laughs> well that's, we all that's, yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> that's amazing well it's yeah. been absolute pleasure absolutely yeah. fantastic that you've given your time up on your current uk tour and i would urge any of our listeners yeah. uh local and, and national because we know the podcast is now reaching out we've just had some figures in from people listening in the states, Northern Europe, and as far as New Zealand, I believe is that correct? Oh my Mark? gosh! Yeah, we've had well all over the world, really. We've yeah, had, it's uh, a bit amazing. For, yeah, you know, um, we really wish you all the very best. Yes, absolutely. Um, the three of us here um, think you're amazing. Your guitar playing is incredible, and um, yeah, all the very, very best for the future, Ariel. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Next time, we got to have a band. Yeah. There's a band right here. Oh, there's a band here. Let's do it, man. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Well, Simon, that was one little special episode. Yeah, very special. I'm looking forward to that to hearing what that's going to sound like when you said it it goes out. Wasn't that great for Ariel to give her time up? Very gracious of the young lady to come see us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's when you're on tour, it's, it's a massive schedule. Yeah. You've got and, a lot of people um, pulling always. And we've also 
we've got to thank Andy Guyton for... Of course. Big thanks. Big, big thanks to Andy. Big Andy yeah. and for helping us and yeah. uh, pointing Ariel in our direction. And that's, that's yeah. great of him. So yeah. if you're listening, Andy, thank you. Yeah, and, fantastic. Yeah. Well done, It mate. was great. And it was... Well, it's our last podcast of this series. This series, yeah. That's um, yeah. 12 we've done. I think we have, and we're on the road. Where old rockers are going on the road. Absolutely. We're My off. God, who knows what's going to happen? Wow, we've got some. <laughs> we've got a few little special guests. We hope we have. Yes, yes yeah. we've got yeah. a few special guests lined up because we're going down to. Where are we going down to, Mark? We're heading off down to Bristol Way, we are, in a place called Shepton Mallet. I think oh, yeah, we're going to yeah. kind of base ourselves wow. around that area. Cool. And, um, head off in various directions to... You drink lots of cider. Yeah, we'll be... <laughs> Well, that's you sorted then, isn't it? <laughs> that is a we remain you know, sober long enough. Yes, of course. No, listen, Simon, we are actually doing a podcast tour. You're not there to... Oh, OK. All right. So I mustn't enjoy the... myself too no, much. You mustn't enjoy yourself too much. <laughs> no, that's right. No, it's... Uh... Yeah, so you uh, guys out there uh, who listen to our podcast, yeah, we're going on the road. We can't tell you who's coming on. And we're going to leave that as a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's been fantastic tonight. Yeah. I've really enjoyed Ariel. Yeah. I think she's amazing. I love her voice. Amazing talent. It, it, my wife was listening to her track on her album. I'll just summarise with this. And she was emotionally affected. I could see she was getting near tears. Mm. That to If you can do that with your music. Yeah. That's, what more can you ask for? Amazing. Mm. Anyway. Thanks to Mark for what you've done. Yes, this, yeah. this well, uh, well series. Done. And um, yeah, we'll see you all in series two. And so it's it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>